twice because you're so proud of it. You've included me. <laughs> Keith. Hi, Danny. <laughs> well, Keith was lying there. Dying. <laughs> Describes Keith's death as a life taken way too soon. Hearing, Hello, everyone. Hearing my name so much, too, it makes me realize, like, I really don't like my name. <laughs> it's just not mm -hmm. an easy name to roll off the tongue. It just kind of fills your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I was trying to do some some Googling. I'm like, what what famous character is her name? And you just Keith. put Keith Death? No, so, he, so this is exactly what happened. So I'm like, famous Keith's. Or whatever. First thing that came up, very first thing, there's some character on One Tree Hill named Keith. So then I type in, I go into YouTube and I type in One Tree Hill Keith. And before I can even finish the name Keith, it auto completes Keith Death. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So I look into that and it's some insane plot line. It's one. Tree. I didn't realize how like uh, insane, dramatic, and insane One Tree Hill is. It, the The clip it took me to was about a school shooting. There's a school shooter in the show. It's nuts. Um, but then I remembered Keith. You're up. Keith from Survivor. <laughs> and then I also remembered that Keith from Survivor died. He describes Keith's death as a life <laughs> taken way too soon. Oh my god. Um, but this. Keith. Hi, Danny. For the longest time, I thought he was saying, hi, daddy. Keith. Hi, Danny. He's saying Danny. Hi, Danny. I thought it was a lot funnier when I thought he was saying daddy, <laughs> but I kept it anyways. <laughs> um, well, thank you. That means a lot. Um, I had something else I wanted to say, but those... Drops of a of my impending death potentially have have thrown me. <laughs> um, Yippee! Yeah, I'm a dead man. <laughs> Did you want to start somewhere else before we jump into the curse? Or we got two episodes to kind of yeah run through. So should mm -hmm. we just jump into it? Yeah. Okay. Let's um, do it. Let's do. It. When did you watch <sighs> episode three? Last night. Okay. Um, so that sounds like me. I'm glad we can keep our promise of doing this every week. <laughs> well, it was Thanksgiving yeah. last week. Come on. Yeah. Um, you blew it! So, episode two. Uh huh. Okay. So, episode by episode. So, yeah. So, episode two was called. Something pressure. Da, da, da. Pressure's looking good so far. Pressure's looking good. Uh, now, of, of course, I watched episode two last week, and you don't remember anything. So, and I, but I did take notes. But oh, more sequentially, I don't remember exactly. More than just the curse. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to? Oh, actually, you know what? Before we get into it, there is something I wanted to. To get out of the way. Okay. I, I want to take off the table mm -hmm. 
not just for this podcast, for all of TV watching community going forward. I don't know what you're saying, but I'm behind it. Okay. I love it. Anything that involves Nathan Fielder, we're taking cringe okay. off the table. No more cringe watching. No more this is so cringe. No more, right? We get it. We got another C word that we can't say. Right? Sure. The N word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. get it. It it is it is it is definitely uncomfortable. But over the past two weeks, I've been inundated in the subreddit. Every post, word. every post. Oh, this makes me so cringe. I can't watch it. I had to. This, I had to stop the show 40 times because I was cringing so much. It's like, all right, we get it. <laughs> we get it. Also. You're not special because you cringe. Well, not only that, it just feels <laughs> meaningless. Like, right. what's the point of it? Yeah. But also, what's the point of it? What's the point of it in the show? Does it have more than just, like, I think you could make the argument that Nathan, for you, and maybe some of the earlier iterations of this kind of comedy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is was just to be cringe or whatever, to make people feel uncomfortable. But it feels like there's more to it in mm-hmm. this show than mm-hmm. just a goofy business idea, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Well, I think to me, this show ends up being about a lot of, mm-hmm. of things and yeah i i really find it difficult to like think about the show because it very quickly sometimes can get into the intention of nathan fielder mm-hmm. in making it which i don't know him i don't know why he makes the stuff he makes you know um and by the nature of of what he makes sometimes it sets you up to like, you, you, you kind of feel like all the thoughts I have about a show that he does should be private because as soon as I articulate it, I'm exposing myself too much Yeah, for anyone to be like, yeah, you're overthinking it, buddy. Mm. Or be like, Nope, you're totally wrong. Or, and, uh, and instead if something really, hits me hard in terms of like, wow, I really think this show or this movie or this book is really important. Uh, I found that when I've tried to talk to somebody about it, I always walk away from that (laughs) conversation being like, I'm such an idiot. I'm like, what? (laughs) Exactly. I sound like such a moron because in my head, it's all making sense and I can justify sure. it. Yeah. But then as soon as you're trying to explain it to somebody or somebody else didn't pick up on the things that you've picked up on, um, you can just go, you can just kind of be like, wow, I really, I guess I don't have anything to stand on really other than my experience of watching it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, uh, and in some ways I think that's, it's kind of the, the ideal way to experience art is kind of, 
privately and personally and mm-hmm. social media has kind of blasted that experience out. And even what we're doing here, this opportunity to like have a broader conversation is, it's just something that is capable of being done now. And the value of it is something that I think is, is hard to determine <laughs> And it, and it is a case by case basis. Like, I think that's why you and I like not advertising what we do so Mm. much because it is like, if you find it and you listen to it, then that's the value. The value is not in us, Mm -hmm. us talking, the value is in us spending time together, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is a means to do that. But in terms of like what we talk about, yeah, it's not. I don't think that we are bringing anything of an inherent value. Sure. You know? Yeah. Just another conversation, basically. Right. And it's something, and one thing that the curse has also made me think about is a lot of times, you know, being raised in a religious context, when you don't like something or when, especially when you're told to not like something, there's always a moral aspect to it. Mm-hmm. This thing isn't bad. It's actually like we need to now tie this into why it's serving Satan or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or like why it's destroying society, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, um, you know, this movie isn't just a bad movie. It it's an, it's an attack on values or whatever. And I feel like with The Curse and with Nathan Fielder, I get a lot of, I get a sense that he has clear ideas of what is bad in society and the effects on on society. But I do feel that there's a detachment from a moral aspect to that value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, like podcasts, right? Like it is inherently silly that people sometimes just feel like there's value in what they have to say and they want to get that out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is also can be a means to create community where people find valuable relationships within a community of a podcast or where people just get to spend time together, which can be good or it can be like good for a career, like legitimate a legitimate way to launch yourself or be, be, become what you want to be mm-hmm. <clears throat> that you can't apply a moral judgment to it. You can just kind of say it sucks, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like at, on a whole, it is a ridiculous, you know, activity. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's, morally good or bad you know you can't then draw a moral stance you just say no this is what our society has and now i like with nathan fielder now let me expose the ridiculous parts of it but i think that i always had trouble divorcing like a moral like i felt like a bad person when i would do something like even with this podcast i think that I would hear people critique, you know, oh, the the white 
middle-aged guy who has a podcast mm-hmm. and then immediately start feeling like guilt or shame. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When really it's like, well, I have a reason for why I do what I do and I don't need to feel that guilt or shame. I can just accept that. Yeah. Podcasts are a ridiculous venue that is used in a lot of ridiculous ways, mm-hmm. but it also is a reality of our culture and society sure, and something that I have found value in. So I don't need to feel guilt or shame. I can just acknowledge, yep, you're right. Okay, Justin, when are we recording? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, so episode two. All that to get to episode two. Right. <laughs> uh, Pressure's looking good so far. I can read a quick summary of it. Yeah. Okay. Unab- we're, we're professionals. Unable to produce Whistling River security footage for Perez, Asher clumsily infiltrates its office and covertly downloads footage from the pit boss's computer. The end? Well, that's the first part of it. Any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, my initial thought is I want that job. I want... Someone gets paid to just watch security footage. No, to write that summary. <laughs> no, they don't. That's from Wikipedia. Oh, that's that's open source. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was like the Showtime official. No, that is one hundred percent the product of our free free labor internet warriors. Um, our free knowledge internet warriors. Pretty much, so far so accurate. Yeah. So that whole. Um, sequence is that how the episode opens really i guess it is it opens on his face and they start doing that distortion Mm -hmm. where the logo comes out of their distorted face but he's in the casino right um well yeah does it open with him talking to the reporter where she tells him like you this isn't gonna work what you've been giving me doesn't work you've got to get this footage that's the only thing that's going to work is the footage Mm -hmm. Oh, and then he has one failed attempt to get into the casino, right? Yep. Then it cuts to him just chatting up an old coworker. Yeah. And he can't get into the back room. Right. And they show him his work, which is to add mood lighting to the that's right to the ceiling. Well, that's right. He had some. He had figured out how t- some sort of algorithmic way to (laughs) program the lights to what simulate daylight or simulate the sunset the sunset sunrise just some simulate some way to keep the people in the casinos gambling their money away Mm -hmm. Uh, which i did make note of seems to be uh and i think this holds true for the third episode too but definitely up until this point kind of the only thing that it seems like asher is good at like everything else in the show, he's, he's kind bad. of been not maybe not bad, but like unfamiliar with or kind of fumbling his way through. Well, it also this is the episode with the um test group. No, that's the third episode. Is that the third episode? Because mm-hmm. yeah, that's when they really go in on it. Yeah. And it seems like this he's just really good at coming up with ideas to separate people from their money. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, and that's the, also the impression I got from the meeting he had with the like casino owner, I guess. 
Right, like we can add a daycare yeah. com- component. Yeah, he's to had this. a bunch of these ideas. Yeah, is it getting people away from their money, or is it like manipulating? Is it more about people manipulation or money manipulation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, I think he's like good at understanding people's psychology and how to get them to do a specific a- activity. How can we get people to gamble more? Sure. How can we get people to commit to this show idea? More of a behavioral manipulation exactly. Than, exactly. than money specifically. Yeah. yeah. Which I think probably applies a little bit to, probably not a little bit. It probably also applies to like his marriage and like a lot of, a lot of the little lies he's told to try and like steer things in a certain direction. Uh, Dougie goes on an awkward date where he says his wife was killed in an accident while he was drunk driving, though he denies being responsible for the accident. Mm-hmm. While driving his date home, he tests his blood alcohol content and realizes he is over the legal limit, pulling over and walking her the rest of the way. He, so again, where I think the curse for me is expanding out in a very interesting way to take on more of like a a look at society Mm -hmm. and kind of the scourge of a lot of things. But like, I guess to use the, the language of the show, the curse of social media, you Mm -hmm. know, of the internet age and all that stuff. But I see him as being representative of that, of that, like, profound isolation of social media someone Mm. who tries to live exclusively through um the internet and social media connection and just how profoundly isolating you can isolated you can feel and be Mm -hmm. and how out of touch with other people you can be um What'd you take of him on that date? Do you feel like he was being genuine in in areas, or do you think he was completely oh, no. BSing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of Dougie so far. Um, and I we think we can talk about now, because he doesn't really have a lot of time in the third episode, and the time that he does have is these same themes. I definitely... F- got the impression from the that whole sequence which was really long not in a bad way it just was longer than i expected it very to be very much yep um that he is lying to himself and he knows he's lying to himself yeah and he's profoundly lonely yeah exactly just profoundly which lonely. made me sort of and so we get we get a couple we get uh I think there's a phone call at some point in that second episode, but the second episode also ends with um, Asher running into Dougie at the casino. Dougie kind of being like, uh, hey, let's hang out. Asher reject. He gets rejected. Mm -hmm. He gets rejected again in the third episode, Mm -hmm. which leads to a great just long zoom in shot of him crying, (laughs) slowly starting to cry. Exactly, And he's always in this room surrounded by, trash yeah you know uh but that so i'm not 
so that kind of led me to my notes, which is I don't know what Dougie's motive is. I don't know why he's there. And it actually made me start to question if, do you think that the TV deal is even a real thing? I mean, he does get the footage in episode three. Sure, but that could also be very easily staged, I feel like. And it's also in that episode three when he brings it up, he kind of waffles on it where he made it sound like, what did he do? He made it sound like the, um, it almost, he almost made it sound like it was, it was hard to get the, the footage or I can't remember exactly, but then he turned around and was like, Oh, I just asked for it 15 minutes ago and they sent it to me. Right. He couldn't answer how he got the footage. Right. He was like, yeah, either I asked them for it or yeah, that's it. Or they just sent it to me. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't, source where why and he's and he's been very it did make me think about what level of connection do um nathan fielder and emma stone's character do they have to this pro project being picked up because are they all going through him or because i haven't heard them drop anyone's name it's not like they're like has susie gone there's like have you heard anything yeah he just keeps saying no. <clears throat> um, and so it made me think it, it's really seems like Dougie's whole motivation is or is to hang out with Asher. Yeah, or maybe he already got the rejection and he's just hiding the yeah. rejection from them. Yeah, also very possible. Yeah, right. Because he knows once he moves on from this, he he has nothing, right? Right. He has another show that he tries to show off to them that sucks, that didn't get picked <laughs> up. And now he has this. So it's yeah. not like he's a guy who's in demand. You yeah. know, he kind of just has this. Um, yeah. Uh, Whitney attends a Pueblo artist's gallery, but finds herself confused by the pieces and out of place socially. Yeah. I have a, I have a take on this. And I really want to know your, your take on because it starts with the artist. So it starts with Emma Stone with the old man on the highway. Mm-hmm. Try, you know, talking to him about development right. and mm-hmm. the community and kind of bullshitting him. And that weird moment where her assistant gets a photo of them on a crappy digital camera from really mm-hmm. far away. I can't <laughs> imagine that that is a usable picture in any way. Yeah. Which made me feel like, was that staged? Did she tell her, like... I thought they made a comment on it. Well, because she took the phone and she's like, no, not we're having a conversation. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That makes me feel like she could have set that up to make herself seem like... She's like, take a picture. I'm going to tell you, not now, because I'm I'm not about that. I'm I'm about listening. Right. You know what I mean? That feels like something she, she could have staged. Which, interestingly enough, in the third episode, the way the third episode ends, you see that she's exactly about that. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, you see that in, in this where then she ends up inviting the guy to, um, and again, he even thanks her for like caring about the community, but she clearly just knows the words to say. Mm-hmm. She understands. She's someone who, who stands back and understands the issues at play, but 
but still wants to you know use them for her own purposes you know what i mean it's like the it's like the classic um neoliberal you know and everyone like gets excited about like pete Buttigieg or mm-hmm. whatever because he can like articulate a specific experience that people attribute to like oh he's a real guy and then as soon as he gets touch sniffs you know national international mm-hmm. positions he just completely folds and becomes the most like basic mm-hmm. standard politician you know um yeah so they have that moment at the gas station then they have the dinner with the artist yeah so starting here i want to know your your take on the artist there and then leading into her show because i have a take that i could be way off on i uh-huh. just want to know uh, well, the dinner to me just seemed like it was a whole sort of white guilt type of deal where they, they're clearly overcompensating. And I guess this also plays into like some larger questions I have, which I guess we can talk about at the end of the episode. But It's, it's white guilt, but also like a deep need to be accepted by by this artist like like well by and by the art community in general yeah a a deep search for validation um yeah that they're more than what they really are sure and in some way they're they're artists um along those lines and i guess this will hint a little bit at what i wanted to talk about later but do you get the feeling that Emma Stone's character, Whitney. Do you get the feeling that Whitney knows she's a fraud? Or do you think she knows that, like, uh, she's maybe missing some things? Yeah. But she's not, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's interesting. And kind of the same question for Asher. Because she... At one point, Asher's like, "Oh, my two favorite artists," and she goes, "Oh, I'm not. I'm not an artist. I'm not mm-hmm. an artist." Um, <clears throat> in the face of the woman who really is an artist, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that to me is either somebody who is trying to play the role <clears throat> again, like how she's proven in in other situations. She understands her role right there is to downplay, you know, her artistic importance and mm-hmm. abilities so you think under the cover of that she truly believes she's like a revolutionary exact artist but if she is in a room with asher she will 100 percent pitch mm-hmm. herself as a an artist mm-hmm. you know but she she just understands oh when i'm out in pub, oh i need to i need to play it like um not self-deprecate what, what's the positive self-deprecating oh like like, she needs to be humble yeah i'm just gonna play self-effacing self-effacing um so either she's playing a role or that's a moment where like the reality peeks through and she knows okay in if you push me against a wall and put a gun to my head and say are you an artist i'm gonna say no you know what Mm. i mean and this is just one of those situations where i i'm i'm in the face of someone who really is, and I can't, I can't back up the lie right now. Mm-hmm. But I think she 
could back up the I think she's just playing a role mm-hmm. there. I think she she thinks that she's a very important mm-hmm. artist. Okay. Uh <clears throat> so they ha- they have the dinner uh you know the uh the artist clearly has zero interest in this couple. Uh I I think I must have missed who she is. She's she's not in the show prior to this meeting, is she's she? She's referenced when she's talking to the because they use the her when she's talking to the mayor. They oh, use I her artwork friend. in the houses, right? Right. They use it and they own four pieces, which mm-hmm. Asher says later on. Uh, and then she's having a some sort of art exhibit that they um, attend. And what do they call it? They call it an. Do I have it written down somewhere? Uh, oh, the structure, right? She's in a yes, structure or whatever. Yes. And so people are were waiting in line. They have a couple of. Um, they have a couple little scenes before that where they're looking at the modern art or whatever, and it all seems you know like phony baloney stuff. What was the thing they were looking at? Was it action figures? It, it was baseball, it was baseball bobbleheads bobble, that yeah. she stole. Right. That just show the exploitation that still happens. I mean, in professional sports across many different sports, you still get people who do like the tomahawk chop and have no problem with it. Sure. Like, yeah. What's, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, I mean, we still have the Chiefs, right? I mean, that's still. The Chiefs, the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How did like. The Blackhawks are like, you can't, how can you translate a real people into a hockey team? (laughs) Well, you know, the famous native American hockey players, I'm guessing that's what they're based off. of. (laughs) (laughs) What better way to carry on their legacy than create a professional team that does what they love Um, love to do. (laughs) So they're at this art exhibit. The, this lady um, has this structure set up. Where she, Whitney goes inside. <laughs> she, <laughs> lady hands her. Oh no, she starts she shaving she some ham. ham. <laughs> and then she hands her the plate of ham. Whitney eats it confusedly. And then she gets yelled at. And Whitney leaves. No, and then she asks her. Was why? I not supposed to eat that? Well, no, she <laughs> says, was I, but, but the artist says. Why did you do that? Oh, that's right. That's Why right. That's what she yells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, no, she keeps asking her, and then she yells. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my <clears throat> my initial take on that is, or my, my question was, because then the mayor, or governor, wherever she, she, she calls him, I think she calls him the, the, the mayor, mm-hmm. he shows up, and she's like trying to talk about the pieces. She's like, yeah, introduces him to this older lady who doesn't really want to talk about the pieces with him, just wants to get him in the get him in the structure. Mm-hmm. And he goes in the structure and he doesn't eat the ham and <laughs> looks at her and he's like, by his facial expression, be like, okay. She yells and then he goes, is that all? Yeah. And she's just kind of, and he leaves. Yeah. So, my my, and then after it shows the artist with her friends, and then it shows Emma Stone's character coming over, 
and trying to like get in with them. <clears throat> and the artist keeps saying like, I'm really happy with the crowd of who showed up. Mm-hmm. She, she makes a point to, to say that. So my, my question was, is that performance piece all her trying to like specifically targeting the rich people who would show up to that show mm-hmm. and do something that really has no meaning and just exposes the people who came to that show. She's mocking them for, essentially. for frauds uh-huh. because she knows that what she's doing is she's shaving ham yeah. in a tent and then, and then screaming. Um, <clears throat> and the old man sees it too, but it's not meant for him. So he sees through it. Right. And he's like, okay. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, you get it because you're not the target audience. Right, you're not really supposed to be here. Yeah, you're you're not supposed to be here. Um, or is it a moment of her being called out too, mm-hmm. where she in her art is also part of this pretentious cycle, right? Um, and where where she has a lack of awareness mm-hmm. as well. I mean, that's how I took it, and I think in that interpretation that the mayor kind of can still play the same role where, you know, once she sees him not reacting to it, she probably has a moment of like, yeah, this is, this is not for you. Maybe this is a little silly or whatever, but I definitely could see it being the other way. I mean, I guess that kind of raises a larger question about the show, which is what is it I the show to me feels like a condemnation of everything. It feels like everything that's in the show is being condemned. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. nothing in the show that's being portrayed in a positive positive light. or flattering light. I mean, what there there are the ancillary characters like <clears throat> the the guy with his sick mother mm-hmm. who then um works at the coffee shop and then ends by being the, mm-hmm. the security guard. That guy's getting killed, right? He's getting killed for completely meaningless property that he has nothing to do with, so. that he has no benefits from. And Asher and Whitney are going to have no, not make any sort of connection to it. See, that, that'd be interesting. I'm not taking the show as that. I'm taking it as he he would be the the one kind of true spot or people like that in this mm-hmm. where it's like they are there to counterpoint all the horrible people and things that we're watching mm-hmm. without him you again it's, it's one of those things where, where i think people need like make a statement make including him shows them for as bad as they are Mm-hmm. You know, like just like when she's talking to him on the phone and Asher tickles her, <laughs> you know, and she thought, and the guy's like, <laughs> did you just, what are you laughing? Yeah. Were you la-? And she's like, oh, sorry. And, you know, and you're like, oh, without him, like you don't have those moments, you know, they're bad people, but you don't know how bad. And then you get that and you're like, oh, they're, they're awful. Uh-huh. So I almost feel like <clears throat> I take him as like the. Um, the positive aspects. Like he's getting his own little, he's squeezing them too. Um, you think? As, as much as he can, yeah. you know? He's like, oh, 
yeah, I'll do security. You're going to need me from eight to four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, I'll do that. But I'm, even I'm in that interaction, and this is, uh, and it's like all interactions they have with, uh, people from the lower class from like the poverty line or whatever is Whitney is presenting him with what she considers to be this huge opportunity, right? She's obviously lifting her. She's such a great person by offering him this. And his response is just, okay. Yeah. And, and, and Asher is like, Oh, you're such a good person. Don't you feel so good? You know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, again, I could see your, your, your take and we'll see, but I definitely did not get to that scene and think, Oh, he's going to die. I was like, really? Even the way the episode ends with a freeze frame on him, like looking, looking back. Yeah. That guy is toast. D E D dead. <laughs> uh, so back to the cringe, uh, idea I brought up earlier, even though we're not supposed to talk about it anymore. Talking about the art show, to me, this is what the kind of cringe, quote unquote, is. Is Whitney standing around in a group of people who she is so desperately trying to relate to, but she just doesn't have the chops or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that is so cringe and awkward and uncomfortable is because we've all had that experience before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which also brings me around to like I, I feel like that scene can be used to be like look at how much of a fraud she is, right? But like we just said, we've all had those moments. We've all been in a group of people who are all talking about something and you just feel like a total idiot even though you're trying to keep up and you have you know you're not like a bad person you don't have bad intentions you're just maybe ignorant or don't know what you're talking about yet or you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so kind of so uh, there's been a couple of those and they're kind of making me wonder like i can see and understand why Asher is a bad person. Mm-hmm. He's done bad things. He s- he gives you the impression that he's done bad things in the past. He very obviously lies and manipulates people uh, for his own gain or whatever. But I don't f- 100% feel that way towards Whitney. I kind of get the feeling wow. that she's just like a um what's the word she just is like a sheltered rich kid but i don't necessarily get like nefarious intentions from her Ooh, like i get intentions of like she's obviously trying to like gain stuff from what she's doing i get full like <clears throat> evil 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 man evil. i don't evil feel vibes. i don't get it i don't see it and i mean because i think my guess is you're going to see more and more revealed 
um, about her manipulating these situations. So I think that I've gone in looking for or maybe aware of more of these potential areas of manipulation than she has. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the um, assistant who takes the photo mm-hmm. and she gets to snap at to look like she's the one who's like, hey, I'm just trying to have a conversation. This is not a time for a photo op, you know? When really, I think that she could have been someone who told her assistant to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, to sitting at dinner with the artist and being like, oh, I'm not an artist, but really being like, in private, I'm the bet I'm better than this lady is, mm-hmm. you know, which also goes to yeah. See, I don't, I didn't pick up on that. Which also goes to her at the at the show, mm-hmm. not getting the art, not understanding. But the art, there's nothing to get. It's not there's, it's bad. It, exactly, and she doesn't get that, you know. Yeah, I and, guess. And again, more more than someone who's seeking to try and figure out the world. Versus somebody who is just seeking acceptance and thinks the best way to do that is to present as a curious person mm-hmm. when really you are not curious at all. You're not just the product of parents that you are blind to. You know they're slumlords. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know to not keep your name and their name connected. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I think that she's far more ne- nefarious, absolutely. More than, they, they, than Nathan Fielder? No, they, than what you're, oh, what you're what saying. saying. Um, and I think, again, she, to me, goes to all the people that get off with these social media personalities mm-hmm. that come off being, like, bland or basic or uh, they're just trying their best when really they're they're so deep in manipulation that they don't know who they are even themselves you know what i mean they've completely lost themselves Mm -hmm. in this desire to be accepted um and they'll do anything Mm. yeah i think i guess the difference for me is that i feel like whitney is a person who is taking advantage of people but doesn't fully i mean again back to the art thing maybe doesn't fully understand or realize what she's doing or how she's doing it whereas asher is a person who is taking advantage of people and is fully aware of how he's doing it and the consequences of it and that he shouldn't be doing it yeah i think that they're the outcome is the same but one of them is a little more ignorant than the other i guess well i think they're both doing the same thing from different angles you know sure and i think it is kind of evaluating that yeah um and and their how their deficiencies supplement each other Mm -hmm. where his willingness to be ordered around to be told what to do Mm -hmm. satisfies her desire to be the suck my white ass to, to to be the center of his cuck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and, and, and it, and it satisfies her desire 
to be powerful and to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And then for him that, you know, he can um, manipulate people and situations to set her up, I think also plays to his strengths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I think they're both awful people that I couldn't hate more. And I think they're I think they're perfect. I think it's very interesting that you have such a lighter Okie dokie. Yeah. That li- was supposed to be for when you said you couldn't hate them more, so I couldn't find it for some reason. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that you have such a a mild take on her. Um yeah, I don't know. That's just how I read it, I guess. But mild is probably how I would define it. She seems to me a lot more uh, well-intentioned than he does, I guess. I think she just knows the game. Yeah, maybe. Um, Not maybe. Sam Ryder, I'm walking. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okie dokie. Yep. Um. So the art thing, the structure, the there's two more things about the structure I wanted to mention. Asher has his one truly funny moment in the show up until this point, and maybe a glimpse into who he really is because throughout this entire, even through the third episode. The feeling I get from Asher is that he is trying to be somebody he's not. Somebody who he knows his wife wants him to be, mm-hmm. but who he knows he's but who he he's not. You're right, he can't. And the one respite from that I've seen is when they're at the art show and he points at the trash can full of trash. And he's like, hey, this is my favorite piece. <laughs> Just one little throwaway thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of acknowledging this is all bullshit. And he knows it. Uh, But the other thing I wanted to ask you about was why do you think, maybe this plays into that, why do you think Asher wouldn't tell Whitney about his experience in the structure? Because Whitney goes in and we see what happens. Yeah. Then Asher goes in, but we don't see what happens. And when he comes out, the first thing Whitney does is ask him what, and, and when they're in the structure before she leaves, the woman is like, or no, not the woman, the helper is like, please refrain from telling anybody about your experience in the structure. Don't talk about it. And then as soon as Asher gets out, Whitney's like, did she yell at you or something? She said, what did happen? What happened? And Asher just re- keeps repeating. Well, they asked me not to talk about it. I'm yeah. not supposed to talk about my experience in the structure. Right. I think that that's his one opportunity to have power in Mm. the relationship that's interesting yeah again remember this is the guy with the micro penis right and i think that that is his one opportunity to flex on her yeah he can't help himself and he does and he withholds and it makes him feel like a big man like a big man for big man not sharing his experience in the structure exactly for one second he got a taste. <laughs> uh, the episode ends. Whitney and Asher are delighted to learn that she is pregnant, but quickly discover that it is an unviable 
ectopic pregnancy. Mm. Um, is the is the abortion talk in the second episode, or is that in the third episode? I think it's in the same episode because doesn't the episode end with them talking to her real doctor? And I think the real doctor's in the third episode. It ends really? with her saying, I don't want the shot until my real doctor is back. Okay. And then she gets that shot in the third episode with her real doctor. Yeah. So they find out the pregnancy is non-viable. And then they have a absolute cringe discovery that she's had an abortion. <laughs> Multiple, Multiple abortions. <laughs> And, and it's just so cringe, I could have crawled into my skin. Is that your Reddit post? Yeah. That you wrote? Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> yeah, so they have this. So I guess that's up, up for interpretation. My interpretation of, of it was, um, she, oh, I guess there's not too much of an interpretation to this part of it, but she admits to having an abortion, plural. <laughs> And Asher didn't know about them. Has a moment where you realize really he well has no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, is your impression that those abortions are pre-Asher? Or are they... She's aborting his babies because she doesn't actually want to have a baby with him. I don't think Or maybe she's not ready right now, the, whatever. The way that she made the announcement... Mm-hmm. Made me feel like she wants to have a kid. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen her with anybody. And she had an opportunity to be with someone else when she was hit on, right? And she seemed to be very um, repelled by that idea. Like, I didn't get the sense that she's someone who's like sleeping around with Dougie, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or open to that. So it seemed to me like she's she's ready to have a kid with him. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like, again, going back to, is she just a rich girl who, like, means well? Or is she, like, manipulating things? I think that there were times probably when she was pregnant with Asher's kid and was like, no. Mm-hmm. Nope, we're not. This is not the right time. And I'm making the decision. And went and did it and didn't tell him at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, again, another point in she's awful camp. Sure. Uh, there's a Reddit comment around this that I thought was interesting. That whole ending with the ultrasound, especially when she revealed she had had one abortion without him knowing. I can't even imagine what a waking nightmare of a moment that would be for both parties in that situation, but they captured it almost too well yeah they they did which that that is like probably the top marks in my book is for how they've been able to to capture moments like that subtly and while packing in like so much different stuff there's that scene there's just a million different Mm -hmm. examples of you know the fight at the end of the third episode 
Oh, yeah. Um, also, did anyone else see something more sinister in the ultrasound, like a really <laughs> subtle but almost demonic shape in the center? <laughs> or am I reading too much into it? Yes. Reading too much into I think it. you're reading too much into it. I, my... There's like a black circle. I guess that's not what that's they're. The, that's the, the thing, topic. right? That's the issue. Uh, but then somebody else points out: Was it just one abortion? Thought they left it deliberately vague by blocking how many fingers she was holding up. I didn't know, but I do think Emma Stone. What's Emma Stone's character's name? Whitney. I do think Whitney was trying to obscure the amount because she just said it's in my chart. Yes. Right. And well, she was obviously trying to obscure that she'd ever had one, period. Right. Yeah. And and so I don't remember seeing where any fingers were even. Yeah, I missed that too. Yeah, and then I read I, all this about multiple ones. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess yeah. I. No, I, I think that's all hinted in her answers. Yeah. That she had multiple. Okay. And that's the end of the second episode. Um, Yeah. And, um, so in the third episode, we get the whole business closed. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Um, the third episode, any other thoughts about the second episode? Uh, no, I think I have maybe overall thoughts about both. Okay. That we can hit. So the third episode, something I also noticed about these two episodes, they both start with a very strange, a very strangely like uh, formatted, episode recap yeah do you don't feel weird about those the strangely formatted they are, are do you see the episode recaps when you watch the show no oh, okay the what we're when we watch it it starts with an episode recap and it's like it's like a net it's like a recap of an episode you'd see on network tv it just is there's something off about really it strange. and i can't quite tell if this is something that they're doing purposefully or if Showtime is like, if people aren't going to be able to keep up with this. So we've got to <laughs> give them, hold their hand a little bit give at the beginning something. of each episode. <laughs> I, now I want to go back and watch those. I, I haven't noticed. Yeah, they're, they're strange. There's something a little off about it. Um, <clears throat> Questa Lane is the third episode of the American television satire black comedy, The Curse. At an auction, Asher bids $62,250 for another property for the company's portfolio. Now, this money he got from Whitney's parents, correct? And he was only supposed to spend Mm $40,000. And this is the house that the family is living in. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't remember exactly the order of events. Uh, well, the plot here uh, said, then it goes into the review, the review panel. What are they called? Test. Yeah. I the test group. Called. Right. Um, where they just bash on Asher the whole time. Yeah. Um, and again, to me, it's like, some, sometimes I wonder, why money <laughs> so when, when i was younger i was just like i bought i found it easy to accept the idea that rich people were smarter than me mm-hmm. 
Um, because if you have means, then you have means to just learn more than the rest of us. Cause I have to work and go to school and do all that stuff. But man, if you're a millionaire and your job is surrounded by like making artistic projects or, you know, then you're going to be reading, you're going to be learning more. You're just going to be smarter. Mm-hmm. But then you realize like, no, people who create things can be absolutely divorced from the meaning of the product mm-hmm. product, you know, or project. Um, and, actually more times than not the people who create the art that means a lot to you are actually not good people, you know, who Mm -hmm. don't seem to know or learn the lessons from their own art. Um, And then you realize like money and in a lot of ways, well, especially success, but money, success, knowledge even the more knowledge you get it many times does not change who you are Mm -hmm. it's like asher can be presented with all of this reality this is who you are you creep people out you're not (laughs) funny you're personality list yeah you have no personality and you can't accept that you can't just change Mm -hmm. you can't just oh well, I'll just be different, right? You can't just become famous and have people say, oh, you know, you're you're an asshole? And mm-hmm. be like, oh, you know, I am, and you're right, and I'm going to change. It's like, I can't accept that. No, I'm not, because mm-hmm. I made this thing, or because I'm doing this thing. I, I'm not who you think I am. Well, they're not filming the real us. Yeah. yeah, they're not filming the real us. They don't understand or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's that's what I just kept thinking about because there's so many times where you hear rumors about a, especially a celebrity being a, like Ellen DeGeneres. Mm-hmm. That, those rumors were widespread to the point where I don't watch Ellen and I knew for years or James Corden, mm-hmm. right? Um, they can't. They don't hear it too. They can't change. Ellen DeGeneres doesn't say my whole career is built on me being the nice one. So if And I'm secretly a giant asshole. Uh, yeah. And and that means the end of my career. So I I'll just you know what? I'll just be less of that. She's like, I absolutely cannot do that. No, my career will crumble because I can't change that. You know, Jimmy Fallon, you know, all, all these people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like something that I could never make sense of. But then, yeah, you watch this and you're like, oh, because you can't, you can't change like that. You know? Yeah. He can't. Asher can't. Asher will always be, you know, what he is. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> That, the whole, uh, what are those groups called? Test groups. Is it called test group? For I mean, some reason, that doesn't seem quite right. Focus group. Focus group, that's it. Uh, the whole thing with the focus group, my favorite part of the whole thing was, again, that's another example of the sort of doing something subtle really well. 
But my favorite part of it was when Dougie gets the blueberries. Oh, <laughs> She's yes. like, just don't get any on the couch. And he immediately, immediately. gets a giant hand blueberry handprint stain. <laughs> He's like, all right, fine. I'm not going to eat the blueberries. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we already kind of talked about that whole, um, that, that whole sequence of, I'm not entirely sure. I guess I think you're probably correct in that it, the feeling I got was that maybe the, the show altogether was never real, but it does feel more like he's probably already knows it's not been picked up. And he's just kind of dug. He's just trying to string him along, string him along, stretch things out. So he has somebody to hang out with, I guess I'm still not entirely sure why he's so connected to these two. Yeah. Again, I think he's just, he's that lonely and isolated. What, what does he have to go back to? Um, I mean, a guy who cries in the way that he cries, that's not a good, that's not a person in a good <laughs> Place. he's in a bad place he's in a very <laughs> bad place based on that cry very bad um <clears throat> asher checks on the property okay this is something i made well, sure okay go ahead it it shows the girls in school right so, so it shows the the girl who placed the curse in school and she is in a calm corner mm -hmm. after apparently having a bit of an episode mm -hmm. and gets out of the corner and then immediately gets made fun of right by these popular girls mm -hmm. and then at the end of school um is met by her sister and then mm -hmm. they're just like chatting all the way home and to me it made me think about like the perception of especially like those girls or those people like early in the, in the season, she places a curse and what's our reaction as what as viewers? Oh my God. I think, I think that was a real curse. Oh my God. <laughs> I think he's gonna, and then they disappeared. Just for the record. I said from the beginning, the curse is not real. There's okay. nothing, nothing happens. And I'm not even saying this is me. I'm saying the hypothetical. Sure. Viewer, yeah, right. Right. And then well, Whitney, for sure. Whitney is the epitome of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Whitney's reaction. And then you are next introduced to the girl. She's in a calm corner. So she may have had to freak out. You're just like, cursing everybody. You're like, oh my God, what's going on? Then she gets with her sister and she's just the quintessential, like elementary aged mm -hmm. girl with a little speech impediment and completely harmless, completely like normal. And again, it just makes you think and consider how she's perceived and then also how you as as the audience member perceived her as like, Oh, she's, she's witchy. She has abilities. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So they go back to their house or they go back to the place they're squatting, which is the place that Asher just bought at the auction. And then and I made sure to make a note of this because mm -hmm. I really want to bust some balls over this. 
someone knocks on the door while the girls are home alone. They get freaked out, get ready to leave, and then they hear this big-ass drill fire up, right? And someone starts drilling into the door. And then what you see is two bolts shoot out, become unscrewed Mm -hmm. from the door. Asher opens the door, and he's holding a drill with a big-ass drill bit in it. You don't unscrew bolts with a drill bit. Yeah. Right? What kind of continuity is that? Yeah. Um, I showed one of our friends the first episode of the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And it in that episode, it they're switching out a baby. Well, it's the second episode. Mm-hmm. But they're switching out the baby. And they make a big deal of like Nathan Fielder's watching on the monitor. He's like... They're putting a hat on the baby. Put a, We need a hat on the baby. And they put a hat on the baby. And then they go and they switch out the baby. But in switching out the baby, the hat falls off the first baby. And the hat falls off the second baby. So you just have a baby in a crib with two hats. <laughs> and immediately I was like, what's the continuity there, Nathan? Fielder? I thought this is all supposed to be right. realistic. Um. So ultimately, I think my takeaway is it's hard to make a show. And sometimes you just have to get the shot. Sure. And if the well, shot a big is, drill bit is a lot more dramatic than opening door with a tiny little Phillips head thing in it. <laughs> exactly. So it, it didn't make sense. Um, I also thought about that when he's repairing it at the at the end. And I was like. I mean, he did just drill through that, right? Apparently, yeah. So how are you just going to re-screw that in? Right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense, but yeah. sure. It's it's tough to make a show. Um. So he comes in there, and then they have this great chase sequence where he's trying to give them the $100 back. The moment where he does the little hop to look over the wall oh my and goes, God. girls! Girls! <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> um, God, what what show or movie is it? Um, Rushmore, mm-hmm. actually. Um, yeah, there's a scene where he's doing one of his high school plays, and uh, he he makes a mention oh, at the very end where um, he's like, "Oh, I completely ad libbed that," and so proud of himself, mm-hmm. and that's. The reaction, I was like, someone on set, immediately when he did that, had to just be like, brilliant. <laughs> we we were expecting you to just run, but you went to that wall, did a leap, <laughs> yell girls. That's why you're right. making shows like this. That's, that's why you're the genius you are. Yeah. You're the Max Fisher, just <laughs> in the moment, completely ad-lib. That was brilliant. Yeah, that, that stood out too, where I was like, you have to feel good watching replay on that and be like, we got the shot. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. He, yeah. he also, can I just say, he, he pulls up both legs too. <laughs> like it's not just a straight jump. Like uh-huh. he, might, he like pulls, he does a whole yeah. kick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Asher checks on the property, forced to use a drill to open the closed door. He finds Nala with her sister, Hani, recognizing her as the girl who cursed him. He tries to give the $100 bill back, but the girls flee. 
Asher is forced to chase them through the neighborhood until a man stops him and forces him to call the police. An officer corroborates Asher's ownership of the property and questions Nala's father, Abshir. Seeing that Abshir and Nala are squatting as they are unable to pay rent to the previous owner, Asher allows them allows them in living rent-free for one year. Can you change that on Wikipedia? Yeah. Let's drop that in. The structure is a little strange yeah. there. Um, <clears throat> so this is another whole sequence where uh, really kind of hits home. I mean, again, I, I this is another sort of example of I feel like Asher doing something against his instincts in letting them live rent free in the property. And then also using that to be like, look at how good of a person I am. We're back to that now. (laughs) We've come so far. I thought, and now we're back. Hi babe. (laughs) Hold up. Um, Yeah. Yeah, um, he he gets taken down by a neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when does Whitney come over to the house? Because I remember him in the car talking about what a good person he is, right? And that goes right. to like what you're saying, where he's not, he is the guy who would say, get get out. Right. Right. But in the moment he sees an opportunity to again, present. And I think that's the thing with both of these people. They're all about presenting themselves in a certain way. Uh They're not those people. Um, but they know how to present themselves. Sure. And so this is his opportunity to present himself as like the caring landlord, which we know is not real. Right. So yeah, um, I'm assuming they they're driving on the way to the doctor's appointment, right? And that's when they have that conversation. That's right. And he also uses that opportunity to try and cover up for his lie at the end of the first episode by saying, "I even gave them an extra hundred dollars because they forgot that I gave them the first hundred or something." I can't remember, but he used that to try and cover up that lie. I guess just in case it came up again when she was over there. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's a situation where she knows he's lying. Do you think she knows he's lying? I didn't get that impression either. I see. I don't get the feeling that she knows that he's lying. I think that it's this agreed upon ignorance Uh that they both have. Yeah. Where the truth, you need to have a buffer to the truth. To, to do what they do. Mm-hmm. So they both understand what they're doing is exploitative of the community and the people. Mm-hmm. They understand that, but they don't allow that truth to impact them in any real way to make them change their behaviors because they are about something bigger mm-hmm. than the truth will allow them to be about. Right. And this is again, another situation and I think it comes out at the end where you allow those lies to happen because 
the trade-off is going to be, this is us, Ash. Oh, my God. I ripped my shirt. I, this is what people need to see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They think that that is real when it's not. Like, the reality is you know he's lying to you, but mm-hmm. you don't want to face it. You don't want to push into it. His lies made no sense. <laughs> and it, he wasn't even like, I don't even <laughs> think it was like trying, but he... Uh. <laughs> He came off as so inauthentic. Yeah. The stories didn't match. He was, he just kind of gave up at one point. He's like, yeah, you can't trust them. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah. You know, again, I think it's just one of those things where they've built this barrier to the truth and they uh-huh. allow those lies to be there because they think it's protecting something valuable and it's not. It's not protecting sure. anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably also mirrored or supported by the very end of the episode where she's re-watching the fight that they accidentally recorded. And then what does she do? She deletes that video and keeps the fake one. Exactly. But I don't know. I get for some reason it just doesn't. It's just don't. You know what? I'm just burdened with this. I believe all women. Okay, so I just believe what she's saying. It just reads as true to me. <laughs> me too, brain. Me too, pilled. <laughs> um, okay, so they're driving on the way. Whitney receives her injection to stop the ectopic pregnancy and is told they cannot have sex for one month. Um, another. Oh, oh can, can we talk really quick about when Whitney goes into the house and um, they're like, oh, it smells so great. And she's like, what are you cooking? He's like, hot dogs. And she's like, oh, did you make those with rice? <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like, water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she's expecting some sort of like traditional meal. You know like what I mean? Or he's like, no, we're just making hot dogs. We're making hot dogs. <laughs> Do you want one? Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, oh, and, and oh, can we talk really quickly, though? Because... But before that scene, it also is revealed where the curse comes from. Yes. So I think this happens after that, but yes. Okay. All right. Go, go, go. Um, maybe not. Oh, yeah. Maybe not. Because that that's when she's eating. Yes. With, with the girls and the girls are opening up to her finally. Right. So, right. She's asking about, and I guess also playing into your point, she starts really digging in on this idea of the curse. Wants to know where it's- she wants to know because I, I'm assuming she felt like she didn't get the truth from Asher. Uh, and the kids start to explain it's this TikTok trend, it's a tiny curse, and it's just supposed to be something silly like your shoes come untied or whatever. And either Asher or Whitney asks, What was the curse when she cursed Asher? And she said it was that you wouldn't have any chicken in your dinner. Um, which he didn't have chicken in his dinner. Um, so does that to you mean the curse is real? Um, I, so um is the curse real i it's it's definitely different than what your standard 
version of this would be, mm-hmm. obviously. The the curse is tied to so I'll say this because that's that's a very tricky question. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm trying to sort through my feelings and my thoughts and answer it. I will say, I do view overall this as being like the the curse of dare I say it modern society, right? The the, the curse ah. of and I do think it's it's Stupid. a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just this kind of social media influencer kind of persona Mm -hmm. that a lot of people see as viable, a viable way of living your life, which is not true. Or this like fake neoliberal, like you said, white guilt, um, or this deep desire to be accepted, um, or all this stuff. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a broad look at the curse of existence, you know what I mean? Um, And so in in that case, I think that the the curse is real in that sense. I think the curse could be real in a more, you know, kind of meta focus sense of these are a cursed couple. These are cursed people. Or actually it's a cursed, cursed guy. But I don't think that it's tied to a girl cursing him, you know? I don't think this is the standard like Stephen King's Thinner where a gypsy woman stroked your face and now you're going to waste away into into nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that woman had powers. I don't think that that's, that that's the interpretation, but I do think that whether it's just this inherent curse of existing in this mode and in this way they've chosen to build their life, Mm-hmm. or whether it's this culmination of this community, you know, right? This curse of this reaction of this community that these people have come to gentrify, mm-hmm. to exploit, that it is collectively rising up against them. I do think that there could be a real curse. And there's an aspect of me that's like, if we were real, if I really had time to review this, this would be a show where I'd want to like go almost scene by scene and look for little subtle inclusions of like a supernatural element. I think that this show could be one of the, it could be if they wanted it to be mm-hmm. one that you go back and you realize like, Oh man, the, there's a reflection of this thing here. And there really is like supernatural elements happening around them and to them. Although I don't think that that's the, the focus of the, of the show in a, in a way that a normal, like the curse show would, would interpret that, you mm-hmm. know? Um, <clears throat> Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, I, I still like it as this sort of, completely meaningless size. Yeah. It's just the total tangent to that, to what's actually going on. Mm. Um, so they're at the doctor's office to get the injections that she needs from Dr. Brown. Mm -hmm. 
I think his name was. Her doctor, who just got back from something, and the whole... Where'd it go? Maybe it's in here. Yeah, the, that little sequence between her and the doctor, outside of Asher asking if he can still finger his wife. <laughs> but there's something off about the actual, like he gives her the injection and then turns and looks back at the ultrasound and hesitates for a long time 100%. to answer her questions. Mm-hmm. Like he's noticed something. He sees something. Like he's, yeah, he sees something. Um, so I don't know what that is. You know, get you get the Im- impression, or I got the impression maybe it wasn't a non-viable pregnancy. Maybe they made a mistake. Um, he, you know that that also came to my mind. Or like, again, I don't know how all that works. I'm not an expert. But I'm like, could you have had two fertilized eggs? One non-viable, one viable. And with a shot, take care of both. Like, uh-huh. here's all I know about it. All I know is I have a friend who was told that, uh, I know this couple, they were told they were having a girl. Mm-hmm. And they bought all the stuff. They painted the room, all that stuff. Girl, girl, girl. They uh, go into labor, deliver. And it's a boy. Mm-hmm. And they were told, girl, all the way through. Deliver and it's a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ultrasounds, all of that, and just missed. Mm-hmm. So I do know that it's still mysterious what happens wow. in there. Wow. And that any kind of ultrasound can miss mm-hmm. a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my other thought was, okay, nope. Obviously, the first doctor saw what she saw and was accurate, but she met that could have missed or obscured another thing, which then she waits, right? So maybe the viable egg fertilized even more. So by the time he gets to it, he's like, Oh, I can actually see. I can actually see it a little better. Uh, you know, um, but, but I, I don't know, Uh, but I mean, he did see something. Whatever that, yeah. a demon. He saw a demon face in there, <laughs> or he saw, um, you know. I'm a dead man. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> to complicate matters, Barrier Coffee, a sponsor on the pilot, has closed down without notifying them. Whitney is forced to meet with Fernando who is now out of a job after being promised that he would get a position at the coffee shop. Whitney offers him a new job as a security guard. That night, he shows up at the abandoned establishment and sits to watch over the place with a rifle. Asher helps Whitney when her turtleneck prevents her from taking off her sweater. They laugh at the situation, and Whitney suggests recording it so they can upload it to Instagram and boost their image. However, the attempt at recreating it proves fruitless, and they engage in an argument when Asher feels Whitney does not support him. They go to bed with Whitney watching the argument on her phone, which was accidentally left on when they failed in recreating the event. 
that scene was another brilliant scene and very difficult to watch for me the the the, the kind of panicked energy of mm-hmm. the desire to be seen and to accept a reality that isn't real, you know? Oh, we're this fun, this is who we are, you know? And then that just God, like intense desire to recreate, to force that, that moment mm-hmm. to happen again. And how it's like, number one, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Number two, that's not us. Number three, it wasn't that great a moment anyway. You know what I mean? Oh, right. The even the initial moment was totally forced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that that's not anything that you should remember. Yeah. Um and you know, part of it too is like to what extent are you meant to like watch and analyze? Because she could have just slid her arms out way before. Mm-hmm. she did the first real time i'm watching yeah. him pull i'm watching both her elbows get exposed and all she needs to do is like pull that out and like help him out but nope she has to like commit to the yeah. bit and no this is what oh my god um and so yeah that that to me is also a scene that's like a great depiction of a lot of relationships mm-hmm. again if you want to view them through the lens of social media or just this forced kind of reality, like this forced false reality. Mm-hmm. It's like you are not this person. You're you as a couple are not this couple. Mm-hmm. Why are you so committed to forcing this reality to be real? Mm-hmm. Like just move on from it. That's not you, or um, you you won't be happy forcing that right that reality yeah oh yeah so many people are so committed to it you know yeah uh and again the cringe the unbearable cringe comes from it being relatable i feel like yeah uh also wanted to point out in my humble opinion great acting in that fight scene you know, uh, up until this point, Nathan Fielder has kind of been Nathan Fielder, more or less. But that whole argument between both of them, legit, was like great, mm-hmm. really good, really good acting. Um, and that's the end of the episode, right? The episode actually ends with the shot on him, Fernando. Yeah, looking. Yeah. Around. Pulling up to the mini mall. <clears throat> so you think it's going to start? We're going to open next episode on his body? <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> flies. Yeah, no, uh, not necessarily, but I do think he's he's in some trouble. Um, Some general thoughts on the show. Uh, and I... Mentioned this in our thread with Chris. I don't, I like the show. It's a good show. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily enjoy actually watching it. 
it's a little bit of this thing where I know we've talked about this on the podcast before where it's like you're watching a show, you're watching something made up entirely of bad and miserable people doing bad and miserable things, which leads to kind of a miserable watching experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I would say I enjoy it more than that. And it's like, in that sense, it's more than the sum of its parts. You know what I mean? I'm not like dreading watching it and I don't have a hard time getting through it. But by the time it's over, I do feel a little exhausted. Exhausting. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that to be over. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, uh, th- this is a really bad conversation to have but it's it's the only framework i can think of it in there are and i felt this way about the rehearsal Mm -hmm. i felt this way about how to john wilson the rehearsal there's another one that i'm forgetting now but a lot of people i think um don't view these shows as being uh, as ambitious as they are um, and what the makers are trying to say and do with these shows, I think is worthy of discussion and analysis. Mm -hmm. And I think the quality of the work they make holds up to that analysis. I think, you know, somebody could do a full, deep dive into the curse and all the meta textual stuff that we're missing and all that and come out with some, a lot of really good stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but that level of conversation isn't really happening even amongst like professionals from what I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, and it makes me think about the shows uh, as, as like those quote unquote vegetable shows. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll watch the three and a half hour movie about a housewife, you know, because it's important, I guess. And then suffer through it so I can say, oh, I watched this or I read this big boring book, you know, mm-hmm. because I have to. Um, versus like the the things of value sometimes, the entertainment value is just operating in a different frequency you know but that shouldn't necessarily make it less exciting or engaging um and i hate when people have a view of art that that way where there is like oh this is the fun stuff and then this is the important serious stuff or whatever Mm -hmm. um but do you do you get that sense with like Nathan Fielder or like the curse where it's like shows that are trying to be about something, just make your brain operate in a way that we just aren't accustomed to. And therefore we, our brains are repelled by a little bit Mm -hmm. because it resists the YouTube algorithm, you know, information stream. Um, Or, do you think that there's something to like shows like this are inherently like less enjoyable 
than Breaking Bad, or which a, a show that you did not like, famously. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I guess. I don't know that it's just like I said, every, when everyone in the show is, is, I don't know. It's, it's hard because I, the show is doing so much good, even though all the characters are rotten, miserable, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It, and even in that there are moments that are funny and, and also like some of this stuff, like you don't, you're not able to, uh, maybe I'm just speaking out of my ass, but I don't feel like you're able to write or act a scene like that fight at the end of the episode without being in one of those fights, without having an argument like that. You know what I mean? And for me, a lot of what Nathan Fielder's whole persona has been is like, he's one of those guys that I've always felt like, he would hate you for liking what he does. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, so I still kind of have that feeling while what, like there's a part of me that feels like the entire show is just a condemnation of all of that. When I think in reality, some of it might just be a, is supposed to be more of a like relatable, like this stuff is bad, obviously but there is, should be some relatability to it. You know what I mean? It's not just like a screed against social media. Yeah. I, again, I, that's why I'm trying to find a new way to analyze it. That's what I was rambling about in the beginning. And you kind of hit it. Um, when you're like, we're not using the C word. We're moving on. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to view everything as like, a screed or like anti or against something. Yeah. I want to view it more nuanced as being a, an evaluation, if Mm -hmm. not a condemnation, because I agree. I think that there's an aspect of Nathan Fielder that makes me feel like, Oh, if he ever heard that two guys (laughs) were talking about a show of his, yeah, he would, mercilessly mock us mm-hmm. and rightfully so be like, what do you, what do you even think you're doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know that there is that kind of like condemnation to it. There's mm-hmm. merely an observation. There's merely a analysis that says this is bad. Mm-hmm. Pure and simple, no kind of like moral. It it just is like it's like this smell is a bad smell. This is a bad outcome, you know, or this aspect of social media or modern culture is a horror show or a joke or mm. ridiculous, you know. And the fact that people are wrapped up in that, I think, gives it that kind of like where we want to attribute some kind of like condemnation aspect to it or might make us feel a little icky because there are real people represented in these like groups. 
mm-hmm. but at the same time, doesn't you're you're not saying that they're bad people. You're just saying like social media influencing is a is is a gross way mm-hmm. to construct your life. Yeah. Now, are there some influencers out there who are just well-meaning people or like trying to get by? And hell, I would influence too if I was in their situation or had the opportunity to do. Sure, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not saying that they're a bad person, but I am saying influencer culture is bad, right? Mm-hmm. And, and again, we want to use these words of like, oh, that's cancerous, right? Mm-hmm. That's, but again, that is a level of kind of analysis that I don't. I'm wondering if there's more value to pull back from that and just say. Where is he wrong? You know, he seems like an angry person about all this stuff, mm-hmm. but where is he wrong? Mm-hmm. But but then also, he's making a show on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Like, he, so is he a hypocrite? Or is he saying, like, no, this is how culture is now. Look at it. Look at the bad, gross aspects. But also understand that I'm a product of it, too. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, like, wag my finger at everybody and that's why i think i find most frustrating is when people watch shows like this or or figures like this and they just see them as like scolds mm-hmm. it's like i don't think they're scolding i think they're just observing and i think their observations are right but then you want to dismiss them because you're applying a moral aspect to it well who are you to say that i'm bad for what i do and it's like mm-hmm. they're not saying you're bad they're saying the culture that you are operating in is bad, right. you know, not you. So stop applying this to you and just accept it for the blanket statement on the culture that it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think I'm trying to broaden my understanding because I would take a lot of that to heart and found it really hard sometimes to just do little things that I wanted to do um, because I'm just constantly thinking about how right someone is to look at what I'm doing and go, why are you doing that? That's lame that's stupid who do you think you are it's Mm -hmm. like yeah you know i don't think i'm anybody but i still just want to log my thoughts on letterbox like is that can you leave me alone you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and and it's like yeah i get it that why do why should someone need to know the ranking of every film i've seen in the last 10 years they don't but do i find inherent value in it and is an opportunity that i have yeah Mm -hmm. does that make it a good or bad activity no you know what I mean? And so again, maybe I'm I'm talking in circles or I'm trying to find the 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 point. Um, but I I take Nathan Fielder as more of a observer of culture. And yeah, he draws attention to the negative aspects of culture, but I don't know that he's a scold. Yeah. Yeah. Um where do you think the show's going? I still, after three episodes, f- there's still a feeling of like, this is not what the show is. Uh huh. Either there's going to be like a big turn of events, or it's obviously it feels like it's leading up to something. Something. But yeah. that something to me feels like somehow completely different from what the show actually is yeah it, you know um i saw the headline i didn't even read the article but it, the headline i saw was something like 
you know, film is still a developing, evolving medium. Mm-hmm. Like it's still young. And I think there are, you can see movements even in our lifetime of where mysteries were like fully explained. That's what people wanted. Mm-hmm. Then a long period where mysteries were not explained. I can think of just a number of movies going in and within the first 20 minutes, like, oh, I'm not going to know what any of this means. <laughs> I know, I know yeah. we're going to just end abruptly. Right. And just be told, get out of yeah. here. Yeah. Whatever. And now I feel like I'm seeing a trend where people are realizing like, you don't just have to answer, not answer. And you can kind of make things be something new. Like, like watching the curse feels new. Yeah, it does. In a way that a lot of shows or a lot of films or a lot of things don't feel new. Mm -hmm. And this storytelling I'm finding very exciting because you truly don't know where it's going. Mm -hmm. And it could go anywhere. And it makes me feel like maybe people are finding a new way of telling stories that doesn't just fall into a binary of here's the M. Night Shyamalan last five minutes. Mm-hmm. We're going to explain everything or the indie, you know, Sundance film that finally gets around to you and ends in the middle of a scene. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, okay, no resolution, no at all. resolution um, <laughs> that maybe we're getting to a new space where you, you're going to be satisfied um, with the story, but not in not because it provided answers or withheld answers, but because it presented a story in a new, exciting way. Mm-hmm. I think the curse is doing that. You mentioned before I started episode three, you're like, yeah, it seems to be a little divisive episode. I loved episode three. You know, I, yeah. I don't know why people would be negative against it. I don't either. I didn't. Um, Dig I into if- it. Yeah, I didn't dig into it because I was trying to obviously avoid spoilers before I watched the episode. But I remember seeing a, just a couple of posts on the subreddit. Really, do- the titles really dogged the episode, so I was kind of expecting something wildly different. Um, but it wasn't. It felt like <laughs> it felt pretty in line with the other two episodes. So I'm not sure what they saw there. Right. Not not only in line, but it felt like advancing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, yeah, totally. Whatever. Else it did.